Invest in yourself today with our Insider Pro product, which gives you the career path to reach the next step in your cybersecurity journey. Join today on Cyberate.it using the discount code PODCAST. You're listening to the 401 Access Denied Podcast. I'm Mike Rowan, VP of Engineering and CISO at Cyberate. Please join me and my co-host, Joseph Carson, Chief Security Scientist at Thycotic, as we discuss the latest news and attempt to make cybersecurity accessible, usable, and fun. Be sure to check back every two weeks for new episodes. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another 401 Access Denied podcast. It's exciting to be here. We've got myself, Joseph Carson, Chief Security Scientist at Thycotic, joining you from Tallinn, Estonia, and my awesome co-host, Mike, uh, who's joining me today for another awesome episode. So, Mike, take it away. Very excited. Uh, Mike Rowan, VP of Engineering and CISO at Cybrary. Uh, I think today's episode will be uh, very good. We're, uh, well, I always think that, right? Uh, but we're talking today about um, hygiene uh, with regard to kids and, and security specifically and, and um, just online and behaviors and how we can help our kids to really be safe on and secure online. Um, something that Joe and I have uh, a, some firsthand experience dealing with with our own kids. And so we thought we'd pass on some knowledge. Absolutely. And this for me, it goes back, I've got really passionate about this. It goes back into, there's multiple aspects as well at this. You know, there's one is getting kids to understand about what you know security and hygiene is all about. But it's also the parents as well, because sometimes, you know, the parents, parents' bad habits reflect on the children as well. And then even gets into also the school, the school teachers as well. Their, you know, lack of understanding about security, you know, and also a lot of them, you know, moving to being able to do things remotely and online also exposes a greater amount of risks as well. So for me, I think this is something that goes out. And I, years ago, I thought I went into, you know, teaching kids at school, this program called Back to School. And I thought it was going to be actually, you know, teaching them something. But to be honest, I learned a lot about some of the, you know, and some of the scary things as well around <laughs> where kids' security hygiene and where their password hygiene is at, where they choose very simple things and they share it with their friends. And many of them even share their devices with their friends as well. And that poses great risks. And I think many kids, you know, really don't understand about the threats that's out there. Um, they don't understand about where things get stored. You know, when people take pictures on their phone and they're using apps like, you know, maybe Instagram or TikTok or other types of apps, mm-hmm. and they're putting the pictures on there, they still think it's somewhat stored on the phone itself. They don't realize that it's actually been, you know, taken through the airs, through the internet, and stored on some server elsewhere in the world. That is somewhat kind of, I guess they maybe ignore it or are not familiar with it, or just purely haven't been educated to understand about you know, how the internet actually works. Yeah, no, I think there's a whole lot of foundational stuff. I, I know I spend a lot of time with my kids. Um, first of all, so we have a Mac at home, which I think is great because they use when, you know, they were using Windows mm-hmm. at, at school, Mac at home. And then also as little kids, uh, I got a, a Linux distribution that was specific <laughs> for kids. Um, it's, uh, I don't know if it's still out there, so I'm not, uh, and I can't remember the name of it. But there's definitely these Linux distros that are specifically designed mm-hmm. for kids um, that have... Um, just games and other learning activities. They can learn to program mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I think the biggest benefit my kids got out of that was understanding that not all computers are identical. Like that there's these yep. different operating systems, uh, this concept of folders and directories and local storage versus what's happening on a server. Like it just sort of helped to make that conversation mm-hmm. a little more um, 
just easier conversation to sort of explain how this computer here has a hard drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, we back it up, and some of that information is backed up to this other hard drive here, and some of it's backed up to a cloud. What's a cloud? You know, and I think just sort of getting kids to understand some of that, and you know, obviously. Um, the capacity for a kindergarten or a first grader is very different than a fifth grader or a middle school kid. But just getting them in, to understand some of those basic concepts. I mean, I think about like, just take a step back and think about TV. When I was growing up with Joe was, mm-hmm. you know, we watched what was on the TV. Like, life. It, the, right, right. <laughs> it was like, what's, what's on tonight? Like, oh, at five o'clock, this is going to be on. And mm-hmm. so just, I know so many parents have this exact experience of like when, um, like you turn on the TV and the kids are like, oh, I want to watch blah, blah, blah. And you're like, well, blah, blah, blah is not on right now. Like that's not mm-hmm. that, because they have so much on demand and streaming services. It's very, yeah. very similar. That same sort of like having to explain like the difference between TV in the old days over mm-hmm. the air versus uh, streaming services. Where does this actually come from? It's all sort of interrelated. I think kids um, getting an understanding of that is an important part of understanding how computers sort of interoperate with each other. Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I did. I did recently. I, I had uh, my kids and a bunch of their school friends come to my place uh, to actually have a whole session on security. And mm-hmm. it was quite interesting to listen to. One is, um, you know, listen to what the kids' concerns were um, and the risks that they thought, and also listen to the parents as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so just getting a reflection of kind of just the different kind of viewpoints and, and the risks. And one of the things I started off with was making sure that you know they all understood about how, first of all, they get connected to the internet. Because sometimes I think that's important as well, is that whether they're connected directly through, you know, their mobile phone and, and 4G or the mobile devices, are they connected to uh, a public Wi-Fi? Mm-hmm. Or are they connected to their, you know, family or, you know, home networking, you know, directly to an internet connection? So just getting one is the differences of how they get connected and about the risks and also making sure that when they see, you know, public Wi-Fi access points about just how to be able to tell and understand about some questions you might want to ask about, you know, is this a real Wi-Fi connection that maybe the cafe or the school or whatever is providing and make sure it's not somebody just doing, you know, basically a rogue hotspot type of connection. Right. So that's where I started was just about how they get connected uh, in the first place and understand about for most kids, they're just using you know, the 4G connection that they have in the phone um, and not really you know, caring about anything else. Um, so that's where I find kind of most of the, their, their connectivity. That's um, funny because just take a pause there. Yeah. The devices we get for our kids don't have any of that. Like we always go Wi-Fi only, no, no, uh, no mobile. No, connect, uh, <laughs> no, no mobile. This way we have a lot more control. Um, my my kids the, are definitely time, more, 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 more sheltered because of it probably. <laughs> so, um, but yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a great point. The whole... Um, Wi-Fi versus, th- mm-hmm. you know, um, 3G, 4G, 5G, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, uh, that definitely is a, a conversation. I have a middle school kid. We still, you know, we still have to sort of remind, like, no, it's, this is how it works. Like, it's, because it, it's just radio waves. It's very, it's so abstract, I think, mm-hmm. uh, for a kid to to continue to remember and, and, and know the difference. But yeah, and being able to identify what's a good uh Wi-Fi network to get on. Um, that's a great place to start, Joe. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, the other thing again from that as well, we end up doing uh, looking at their apps as well on the phones. And it was interesting, depending on the age group as well, I find that uh, the younger age group, the, we're on seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years old, that apps, you know, things like Snapchat and uh, uh, WhatsApp or TikTok and those types of communication apps 
what's you know there's there's ones that they use to communicate to each other and then there's ones that they just like to you know watch things like handicrafts you know, how to do simple things or how to you know, learn something or just interesting things, whether it being you know, girls looking at makeup or you know, boys looking at football tricks and stuff like that, just different things that you know, they're interested in. Now, one thing I did find is that uh, some of those social apps that they only have installed, but they actually don't contribute. They're not uploading anything. They're not sending right. anything. They're just there watching and observing. Um, so that was an interesting aspect is that, you know, for some, you know, maybe it's good that they don't have an account that they can actually just do it anonymously without contributing and sending pictures and stuff. So that's one thing I think it would be good to, to make sure that, you know, parents are aware is one is, is when they're using these types of apps out there is one is that are they actually contributing to them or are they just observing the data and, and consuming it? And that's a key kind of differentiating. And that's important that to understand which apps that they're actually contributing to. Because when you get into things like like TikTok, that those apps are collecting so much information about them, you know the the picture locations, the um, you know exif information, this you know geographic locations, what's around, what other you know pictures they've got in their phones and so forth. And there's a lot of data that gets collected, so it's really important to understand about how they're using the app. Uh, and that was that was new to me when I did that lesson. So yeah, I would take even a step back on. So I don't think enough. I don't think a lot of parents go to the extent mm-hmm. that I. I forced upon my wife and that I do, which is really going through the parental controls and setting things up. My kids can't just install any app that they want on their device. Um, there's age limits. There's all kind. They, mm-hmm. There's certain ones that they can do, and then I can override and say, yeah, no, I'll give them access to that. Um, and I think that's been, it's just created a really healthy conversation because I don't, mm-hmm. it's not usually that I say, no, you can't install the app. It's just, oh, what are you planning on using that app for? Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. You want to, you want to watch these things. And then like, they understand the, no, no, I'm not going to be uploading. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm now starting to have a conversation with my, my middle school kid <laughs> about, um, he wants to start a YouTube channel. Like, what are you going to put up there? Like, what's mm-hmm. the point? Like, is this just to record your own personal diary? If that's the, you know, or journal, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it. Like, if that's the case, like you don't need YouTube and have it out in the world <laughs> in the to, to do that. Right. Um, and so I think I look at the parental controls not as mm-hmm. a gatekeeping function, but as rather as a way of making sure that we're communicating and talking and that I have some idea of what they're doing and so that I can help them to do it in the best way possible. Yes, um, sit down with them and look at look at the settings, look at right. what, what it can do, look at what the purpose is. So I think it's great, you know, doing that, I, I completely agree. It, it creates that conversation. It also makes it open for the kids to be able to communicate with the parents about what they're intending to use it for. Right. Um, maybe the parents can then you know, look at the risks and the privacy policies and, and collectively sit together and go through and make sure that you have some t- set of expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, cause one thing I, my, my concern is, is when the kids go to other people's houses or they use other people's phones, that's where they start, you know, that's where the risks start happening. Cause some parents don't have the same kind of, right. let's say restrictions that we have is that they might just say, oh, you install any app and, you know, and they're free to do so. Um, and then what happens is that other kids are, you know, they become popular and all of a sudden other kids are saying they want to sit and use their phone. So it ends up rather than the restrictions you set in place is that now that's open for them uh, because other kids can, you know, share the phones with them. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think, um, and that's why it's good that that the, the, it's a conversation. Mm -hmm. And, um, I also think just taking a step back, I think that the, you know, 
I think you and I, because we're in this space, sort of take for granted maybe a little bit of like knowing what like mm-hmm. the location information, what XF, like there's still so much around. I don't think people realize like how much information is in a picture that's in the metadata. Yeah. It's not in the photo. It's in information stored within the picture that contains information about where it was taken, when it was taken. Mm-hmm. And it can be really helpful. Like if you're, you know, big, like if you have lots and lots of pictures, being able to organize by location and stuff like that. I know iPhoto has all those capabilities. I don't use them. I turn it all off. I have a control on my phone that says, don't ever, you know, you don't store the location information with the picture because yeah. I don't, I don't care. I don't need it. I don't want it in there. I don't want to have to think about it. Um, but it's always like all those settings are always on by default, and I think it's important mm-hmm. to understand that. And like it, a really simple thing to do is go into the into the devices the kids use and just turn it off so that the location information is never stored with the pictures they're taking. Mm-hmm. It's just like that's a good first step, right? Like understanding what you can and can't control. And I think that there's not a lot of information for parents about what they can and can't control uh, on their own devices, mm-hmm. on their kids' devices. Um, and I think um, similarly. I'm probably one of the few people that runs a Mac and has every kid has their own account. My wife has her own mm-hmm. account. Like there's an admin account. There's my account, my kids' yep. accounts. Um, I don't think that people go to that extent. Most people have a Mac, a family Mac or a family computer, whether it's a PC or and Mac. Sharing and and share, everybody has access to everything, um, which uh, has its own, you know, there's all kinds of concerns that you then want to, that you run into just, that I think that just gets into family hygiene, mm-hmm. right? Like, do I really want to take the risk that my kid can, can accidentally do something that's going to impact my online banking. Purchasing something. <laughs> you know, right? it's, it's the one that the game, the game, I think it was the in-app, in, in-app purchases that well, you know, yeah. all of a sudden the kids are just using the app and just purchasing and, and parents didn't realize. I've seen like, you know, instances in the past where, you know, thousands uh, of, of uh, euros and dollars of, of bills all of a sudden mm-hmm. because of that shared account. Right. Yeah, there's the shared account. And then, but, and I think just in terms of like the, um, I go through a lot of, I, I jump through a lot of hoops to like my, my banking is done in a virtual machine. Like I, I jump through a lot of hoops. I don't expect anybody to do what I do <laughs> to, to, with regard to how I secure my, like my little environment to make sure that um, things aren't happening. But I do think that there's, you, you got to come up with what you're, what hoops you're willing to jump through. And I think having multiple accounts on a computer is a reasonable first step. Um, mm-hmm. And same thing, you know, um, it's a lot harder on devices. There's not much you can do if your kid has, you know, you, um, phones aren't considered multi-user devices. Um, so it's, yeah. that's something, you know, you want to um, think about. Um, and that's one of the advantages to buying your kid their own device. And then you can put the parental controls mm-hmm. on, you can lock it, you can manage it. Um, just something to consider. Um, but I, I, we, what I would love to be able to do is that, you know, those are always things you have to do after. It's things that you have to set up after. It's not, you know, it's it's that... All the devices are the same, um, and they are not, let's say, you know, automatically switched to you know kid-friendly mode. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't switch to parent mode, or they don't switch to sharing mode. Um, right. I would love that you know the vendors really step up and, and and take an approach that you know this this phone, rather than saying that you know sometimes out there you can't go and buy kid-friendly phones, but they're mostly focused around you know was a versatility and dropping them and, and other right. things like that. Um, they have limited features. But at the end of the day, most are going to go to shop and buy the same phone. Right. And ultimately, what you want to be able to do is say, you know, into mode is that this phone will be used for this, this age group. And right. it automatically will, will default to the actually the right settings. 
rather than me having to be the responsibility, you know, and go through and try to understand. Because most parents out there don't. We, right. We've, you know, in our roles, we've taken that step to educate ourselves into, you know, things like screen time and, and you know, limited app uh, functionality and going into the privacy controls. And, you know, those are lots of steps. And for most parents, they, that's something that, you know, they're not familiar with. And it's a lot to go and educate. So I think really we do need the industry to step up and, and, and help and make it easier. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, not only that, the the maintaining it, I, I, it does get to be a little bit of a burden, especially when they're mm-hmm. younger. Um, all of the hoops I had to jump through in order to do like the simplest, like, oh, let's install a Minecraft mod. It's like, okay, <laughs> they can't do this themselves. They can't go to any of the websites because of the parental controls. Like, um, but I also didn't want them being able to just like install, you know, random stuff on the computer. So mm-hmm. it was hoops I was willing to jump through, but it definitely was like, well, you're going to have to wait till Saturday when I have time to do this because I'm not, you know, and it's it's five minutes. It's not a big thing. It's just the sort of more of the mental mm-hmm. hurdle of I'm going to go sit down and uh, do Minecraft now. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, I think that they're, right. you have to find the right balance for you. And I agree, it would be great if the manufacturer mm-hmm. stepped up. It would be great if I could have a device, my phone, and I could just slide it into like, hey, I want to I give it to my kid now. Um, and I wonder, I think there might be some like hacky things one might be able to do with like turning on and off restrictions. But mm-hmm. again, it's like it's stuff that you have to do. It's, it's not as seamless. I will say uh, in terms of parental controls, um, some are doing it way better than others. And um, kudos to Microsoft. Like I don't, I I don't give a lot of love to Microsoft. Um, I feel like, um, but recently just the, the amount of uh, that I can control what's happening on my son's gaming Mm -hmm. laptop and on the Xbox and, you know, and then it tracks all of these things and that it's, you know, the time that he spends on his Xbox and the time he spends on his laptop, it's the same time. He gets two hours a day. It doesn't matter where he spends it. Um, as opposed to Apple, which he can spend two hours on the iPad, two hours on, mm-hmm. on the Mac, two hours on, you know, this other device. And it does, it's, it's a total of six hours. So yeah. um, I do like the, um, how Microsoft has sort of approached parental controls. Yeah. I, I think both Microsoft and Apple have really, you know, kind of up there when it comes to, you know, focusing around parents and ease of use. They've really yep. kind of stepped up, both of them. Yes, definitely. And to, I also like that. Yeah, and I also like that. I think you sort of set somewhere along the way you put mm-hmm. their age in or something so that you're not every year having to revisit these settings. Like it's sort Correct. of, it sort of goes up with them, which is it great. Right? The, yes. right, exactly. The 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 lower the um effort, the more likely parents are to use it. I think yeah. there's just not, they just don't do a great job of educating people about those controls. Um, I think also one of the things as well that I find is even the recent iOS 14 update is that now they have the, the visibility mm-hmm. um, of the, uh, you know, the lights that show if the camera has been used or the microphone has been used because yes. that was always an issue in the past is that, you know, you, you know, you don't know if the camera's on by an app or you don't know right. if the microphone's recording. Um, and I think this is really going about making sure that it's transparent to the user about what's happening on the device as well. Yeah, actually, for my Mac, I've installed um, something called uh, MicroSnitch uh, that mm-hmm. basically watches um, all of the uh, audio and, and video that's happening. And it will, does a little pop-up to let me know, mm-hmm. like, app such and such is accessing the microphone, app such and such is accessing the mm-hmm. video camera. Um, I did it mostly for at work because I'm on so many Zooms mm-hmm. and, and WebExes and this and that that frequently I'd be like, why is the, why is the light on the camera on? I can't figure <laughs> out which software is still <laughs> which running. Which app is ex- <laughs> right, what app is, thinks it should be using it? Um, 
but I found it to be great. Like it just gives me that sense of like, okay, cool. I can go mm-hmm. into this thing. It shows me the whole log. It, you know, it's it's great. Um, so and it's super. It's like dirt cheap. So uh, yeah. definitely highly recommend so, looking so, into those types of solutions. Yeah. So two of the things that came up during the the lessons that I had with the kids a few weeks ago was that one was around you know uh, as they're uploading pictures um, mm-hmm. and taking pictures and sharing it that they didn't realize is that copies of those pictures have been stored in other servers around the world. Mm-hmm. And then we also get into discussing around, you know, password hygiene. And password hygiene was a bit of a, you know, one is that, you know, they had some had, you know, four um, uh, number pins. So most of it was pins, mm-hmm. um, still using pins. And pins still was predominantly the method of protecting systems. Uh, some had moved to six digits. Um, of course, we use newer devices that kind of force and updates the four six-digit uh, pins. So the first thing was around pictures. They were actually quite alarmed that when they took a picture with the phone and 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 you know added to an app that it was actually being stored in other servers in other countries, and they didn't realize that, mm-hmm. uh, which is quite shocking. Um, you know, what kind of what's your thoughts around how do you? make sure that all kids are aware that no matter what they, they do in the phone, that there's potentially other copies of it stored elsewhere. Yeah. I mean, I have that conversation. I also, <laughs> cause I, um, uh, like the U S laws also come in a little bit. Um, so I try and educate my kids. I mean, I remember I, this, I'm going down a little bit of rabbit hole, but when I was growing up, um, my mom, the, the the police came to school to fingerprint all the kids under this like guise of, well, if your kid is is um, is lost or whatever, we want their fingerprints on record so that we can help you know <laughs> find them or whatever. Or this way, you know, we can identify them. And my mom was like, absolutely not. We're not letting the police fingerprint you. Like, if I can't identify the body, then you know, like. Whatever, right? So there was this this very healthy, like my mom indoctrinated me to this very healthy skepticism of of the government. Um, all this to say that I'm doing the same thing with my kids, and so I know the laws. I know that like um, you have no right to privacy if you store things on a server. Like the laws just have not caught up. You can still um, the police in the U.S. can still go through email because email is always stored on the server now. The laws have just never changed from back in the day when you actually had to go every day and download your email. So email would only sit up on a server for, mm-hmm. for you know, a matter of hours, maybe a day or two days. Um, and so, yeah, I also get into some of that as well, which is like, hey, by doing this, like you're also just understand your own, um, not just that this, this company now has access mm-hmm. to this information, but think about all of the people that potentially could get access to this um, as you, um, and that might include the government. It might include mm-hmm. um, bad actors. It might, in, you know, whether those are the same people Lots or not. Lots of advertisements. Advertisers. <laughs> right, advertisers, right. To start advertising the kids. So. Right. And I think having that conversation around, you know, um, free and understanding, like, if mm-hmm. something is free, then really you're the product. Um, okay. Like, that's an important part. Like, understand that... Um, any time you're doing anything that you're where you're giving information, whether it's a picture, whether it's your own name, whatever it is that you're giving to this app, like that's information that they're collecting about mm-hmm. you. And and by the way, I, I don't want to sound like I'm some sort of like anti-government because I know for a fact the government, the U.S. government has does not have the capacity to do all of the analysis that Google does. I know that yeah. Google has a far better profile of me than anyone else. Um, and understanding that and helping my kids to understand like what is the what's the benefit what and not just from a negative side like there's there's benefits you get targeted mm-hmm. advertising um yeah. 
Some people like targeted advertising. <laughs> yeah, but there was an interesting, I, I watched uh, recently, it was The Social Dilemma. I don't know if you had, had... Yeah, I've watched that it. recently as well. Uh, and uh, for me, it was quite, you know, I, I was always the same opinion as well. Was It was that if it was free, then we are the product. Right. But I think when I watched that, it, it, there was a couple of things that actually triggered that took me to thinking a bit differently. Is that, you know, that it's not me, it's my time. It's time is the product. And that was a kind of key differentiating for me. And personalization was also something that concerned me as well, is that one of the the uh, um, uh, kind of uh, people in the, on the show itself had mentioned that imagine that if every Wikipedia page was unique to everyone who looked at it. And right. that's, what, that's what personalization today is becoming, is that we're not, you know, everyone who's looking at information is seeing different things. And that was also a very kind of intriguing perception that I hadn't really kind of thought about before that it was that extreme. So those were two things that I took away uh, from kind of looking at. It's definitely for any, any parents, um, I definitely rec- you know, have them recommend to watch it. You know, they can take away the things that are applicable to them. And, and you know, things are you know, bit, probably a bit stretched in some regards, but it was very educational. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think um, because I'm in the, like, I, there was nothing really... Um, like there wasn't some big uh, aha moment yeah. or anything like that, like, cause we're in the industry, whatever, but it definitely did reinforce some of the things that I already thought and reinforce it in a very like powerful, mm-hmm. strong way around some of the algorithms and why, why is there this polarization? Um, and it's because of, well, the, the whole, all of these algorithms, all these machine learning algorithms are all designed to show you what you're interested in. And so it's just this natural thing where the only things you're getting, you're mm-hmm. just going to see smaller and smaller, pieces like but and i don't you know this is sort of going again on a tangent but i do think it's an important lesson for kids Mm -hmm. to understand like what is it that you're seeing and that this is going to be tailored to you a little bit and this isn't this isn't a it might feel like this is what everybody sees but it's not it's actually very small based on you there might be five percent of the world that has this view but there's a five percent of the world is still a large still a large number of people enough Mm -hmm. people that you have this content and that's how you can get these like weird theories and you feel like no why everybody else is insane i'm the sane person i think kids understanding how these algorithms like they don't have to understand how the algorithms work, but they have to understand like what the I think what's what influence. Yeah, right. I think what influences the 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 algorithms. I think that's what's key, and that's the, that, I think for me that's one of the things that you know everyone's missing. Right, is that you know when my kids are watching different TV programs and they have their own profiles, that all of a sudden well, one is kind of getting upset because why why is you know my brother getting to see everything and I'm not seeing the same things? Why why can't I see those things as well? They're not showing in my profile. Right. Um, and you get into that, and, and that was that was that point in time when they were seeing different, you know, personalization. That was a good time to reinforce that message. But it's because of you know things that you've looked at in the past right. um, that that's what actually you know there's an algorithm behind there that's actually trying to tailor preferences to you. And I think what, what organizations fail to do is make that transparent, make it visible. But so we can we can say no, actually, that was one thing I looked at that um, briefly for a few seconds should not change what I see in the future. It right. should, you know, we should be able to control that history um, of, of, you know, choices. Yeah, definitely. Although I will say this. Um, so I do a lot with like, you know, browsing in private mode mm-hmm. and all these other things to make yeah. it so that those algorithms don't have as much of an impact, ad blockers, things like that. Um, the downside to that 
is that my kid, you know, especially for my kids, if I, if I do the same thing on their devices, then basically what they're going to see is a lot of whatever is generally popular. As the algorithm mm-hmm. is trying to figure out, well, what are you interested in? It's got to start somewhere. So it's going to start with the most popular things. So suddenly my nine-year-old is seeing ads for The Walking Dead, which maybe that's not <laughs> what he should be seeing, right? <laughs> but that's where it's starting because it doesn't know it doesn't know that it shouldn't be showing it to him. So I think there's there's like this, like as much as I hate that stuff, there's like some there is some benefits to it being a little more targeted to him. So he's not seeing yeah. those ads. So he sees the ads for Jurassic World, not for The Walking Dead, you know? Yeah. And those algorithms, they get, they get so confused many times. And they, they throw things up that's, you know, some, somewhat shocking. You know, I've set the, the limitations of, you know, age restrictions right. uh, from the browsing content. And I've set limitations in regards to even the ad blockers and what comes in at home. Mm-hmm. And all those things, there's everything you do, but the algorithms will, will always, you know, they're not perfect. And therefore, you know, things will get through. And it's a, it's a case of us. Well, actually, that, that's part of the algorithm, though. Like having worked on those algorithms, one of the yeah. things you need to do is you do need to throw random crap that you like. The the it's testing the algorithm mm-hmm. to make sure, like, I think this person's not interested in this thing, so I'm going to actually show it to them and prove that they're not mm-hmm. interested in this thing. So, like, you know, otherwise, you, the algorithm gets so tailored that it's just going to show you the same three ads over and over and over again. So, they definitely need to throw random crap at you every now and then to sort of make sure that it's not too, you know, to help tune it. But I think getting back to your point, right, I lock down the computer, I lock down the network at home, I do this, I lock down their devices. That does me no good when they're at a friend's house and watching on their friend's yeah. device. That's that's always the challenge. And <laughs> right. one thing, I mean, one thing is, as I recommend for all the parents out there as well, is that, you know, when, you, when your, your child first gets a device, make a contract with them, make an agreement, you know, set the boundaries, set the limitations, uh, basically, both our kids, we had these page-long contracts about um, that they had to sign up to. That mm-hmm. was all about, you know, um, how much time they're going to be spending, um, about prioritizations, about you know things that they had to do before they were allowed, um, about what types of apps they were allowed to play. Um, that uh, uh, you know about also sharing and, and allowing us to see what's on the device wherever we want to. Allow they are not allowed in the bedrooms. Um, right. you know, a way they had to be able to show us what they're viewing on the screen and they had to be able to show us what they viewed up in the past. We had contracts and I definitely think is that setting those contracts is a good way to set up the conversation, have the right communication and set the right expectations as well. That's always critical, I think. Yeah, definitely. And I think, um, and it was mentioned that that, um, that, that um, documentary well as well, which is if you ask your kid how many hours a week or how many hours a day do you want to spend on devices, they actually give very reasonable answers. Um, I think that the problem is that um, the way these things are designed, they're mm-hmm. designed to be addictive. They're designed to just keep you sucked in and reading more and reading more, like one more thing. And so you lose track of time. And we all we all have yeah. that experience. We all have that experience of like, uh, like I had that experience this morning where I needed to slack Joe. So I opened up my my, mm-hmm. my uh, phone and then I was like, oh, wait, this other, this other thing popped up and now I'm down a rabbit hole. And then it's like, oh, <laughs> That's I have five minutes and I meant to slack him, you know, yeah. 20 minutes ago. So um, I think we all have that experience. And I think that's also part of understanding the hygiene and helping kids to understand that like these devices can be good and, 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 you know, but just recognize that mm-hmm. time and, um, and that it's really easy to sort of lose track of it. And, yeah. and as I said, most kids don't want to spend three hours or six hours on the device. If you were to ask them, like my son's mm-hmm. some frequently will be, like it'll be the end of the day and they'll sort of be like, oh, 
I have to go to bed soon. Ah, I didn't do these other things that I wanted to do. It's like, yeah, because you know you're playing on the Switch. Like yeah. that's what you did instead of going for a bike ride. Like that was your decision. <laughs> so, uh, so what I've done is, um, yeah. you know, recently I sat down and, and I explained is that there is a big difference between what device you're using and what you're using it for. And I, absolutely, you're you're completely right. Is that that technology can be used for good. It can be, you know, there's great things that we can use with technology. There's a lot of things we can learn and, you know, observe and, and get new, um, was it, uh, you know, skills and, and ideas from. Right. There's many different things. So what I've actually said done with the kids as well, if I separate it into different devices, into different categorizations, hmm. uh, and some devices can be used for multiple. And I said into is, is that there's things that you can do that, you know, I, I'm reading books, I'm doing audio books. Um, those are educational. I'm, I'm listening and learning from them. So there's things that you can actually do with technology that is educational. So there's educational time. Um, so I allow the kids into time that is allowed for educational, and that's separated from the entertainment type of category. There's the, the, the things that are just for entertainment, whether being playing you know, with Switch or, or PlayStation or games. There's things right. that you do that are just entertainment they're about, you know, enjoyable, about, you know, emotions, about, you know, uh, observations, and sometimes just passing time. And, but then there's the wasted time category. That's, so, so I have actually separated them into different things, and I've set time limits in each areas, and I want them to balance. I want them to spend more time in the educational side of things. I don't mind them doing some things that are, is just purely entertainment, that, you know, watching a joke or, or you know, watching something or, or playing a game with friends, some social aspect of things. But I don't want them to waste time scrolling on feeds. I don't want right. them to waste time just basically watching, you know, things that are basically pointless, you know. Was, yeah, uh, it's, so it's, it's interesting where we draw the lines, right? Like, yeah. um because what I think of as being pointless, I think I probably, you and I probably talked about this before, right? Mm-hmm. I'll watch a hockey game. I enjoy watching hockey. I can't play hockey. Um, and I, and then I watch my kids watching some, you know, they're watching some group of people playing Minecraft. I'm like, what a total waste of time. Like you're watching other people <laughs> play a video game. Um, but to them, that is entertainment. I, I, I mm-hmm. sort of, th- there's a very fine line between entertainment yeah. and total waste of time. Um, yeah. And yes, but you definitely want to limit things and you want to have an understanding. And I, I couldn't agree more. Um, and yeah. I think... So that, yeah. it's definitely definitely having those separations. You know, what, yes. watching, watching a TV is entertainment. You know, um, using a computer or a phone that has something learning can be educational. You right. know, my kids um, have been doing homeschools, you know, periodically. And I have to understand that the time they're spending doing homeschool is, is educational. Um, it's sitting on a screen, but it's also, there's, there's a learning aspect. And we have to make sure that we have clear separational observation of those. Yeah, definitely. And I think one of the other, on the educational side, I think there's enough, um, there's, there's a number of um, content creators out there that are really creating high quality content for kids that's very educational, that isn't just for kids. It's, I, I enjoy watching them as well. Um, mm-hmm. There's one, I, um, it's uh, it's a the name of it's German and I can't remember it, but it it translates to like in a nutshell or something along those lines. <laughs> and they do a they just do a great job of like it's like a five to fifteen minute I don't even know maybe twenty minutes just video uh, explaining things. Um, mm-hmm. 
and there's like a whole series on ants. And and what I find it, what I find with my kids is that they really want to watch those things. They're educational. They're interesting. We can have conversations. They had an episode on are we living in a simulation, like <laughs> the Matrix, like for, for, right, right. But for kids, and it was you know they they got some things right. They got some things wrong, and they said it right off the bat. Like, hey man, like we don't pretend like we know everything. We're probably going to get a lot of stuff wrong. But here's the general gist of it, and. I'll tell you, it's great to watch those things with my kids. Mm-hmm. I love it because then we can have conversations about it. Um, I, and, and I know that they're, you know, it's just, it's not that just watching somebody do a thing. It's actually mm-hmm. learning a little bit more about the world as a whole. Um, so yeah, I, I think there's some really great content. I think, you know, it's up to us to help our kids find it. But what I find amazing is how much of it my kids find on their own and bring to us. And then it's like, oh, wow, this is really cool. Um, and I think there's some that, you know, schools are obviously finding and using. Um, mm-hmm. Before we started recording, I mentioned uh, Brain Pop is uh, one oh, that, yes. my, that, mm-hmm. um, that my school uh, uses and, and my kids have used. And I say the content's great. There's, uh, there's all the stuff on science and politics. Well, not politics as much as like social studies and civics. Mm-hmm. Um, history, technology. Um, the, the context um, was that it has a great episode on how email works and how like there's these servers and how messages are sent and it gets back and it really I think helped my kids to better understand how computers communicate with each other and how we use commu- computers to communicate with each other even though you know email is so you know 1990 and not really used by by uh by but kids the same but it's the same it's the same concepts it's the yeah. same things right there's no difference really and so um uh so that was really helpful um and yeah. seeing like hey you understand like this email this message generally speaking most messages that you're sending on the internet are postcards they're yeah. not letters they're not in an envelope that nobody else yeah. can see they're postcards everybody along everybody who handles that message along the way yes. can read everything that's in there or well, I, I really like the comparison between the postal service you know but mm-hmm. you know messages on you know emails and texts and, and interactions and communities and chat right. um, Making that similarity between putting it on the back of a postcard, and anyone that in you know that handles that postcard along the way can read the back of it, right? So. And similarly, like um, uh, restaurants that have bulletin boards, like Panera's has bulletin boards. Like everybody, mm-hmm. a lot of places have these like community bulletin boards. And it's like, mm-hmm. hey, yeah, not only imagine you know you're giving this postcard to somebody, and their job is to go put it up on this like <laughs> wall in Panera's. Like that's that's what you're doing, and so everyone in the community can see it. Like, do you like? Sometimes that's a good thing. You can, that's how you find somebody to walk your dog. That's how you might find someone who, you know, that's how you might find a, a job walking dogs. But at the same time, like maybe that's not how you want to send these pictures or, or talk, to, talk to your friends. So um, I think there's a lot of parallels between the real world, uh, like mail system and postcards and things and, and the, the virtual world. Um, and it's easier for kids to sort of grok and, and get their heads wrapped around. I think it's critical to be able to simplify it as much as possible because yes. it's not even just about simplifying it for kids. It's also right. for the parents as well and the teachers. We need yeah. to have it simple messages that is something you can watch within, you know, a few minutes, two, two to five minutes. That is very, very simplified version um, so that, you know, parents, because one of the things that I remember years ago um, was actually looking at, you know, how to do uh, security, you know, communication. And ultimately, it got down to using simple, basically, cartoon, you know, graphics. Mm-hmm. That's the best way to portray, you know, portray, you know, you know what you want to, them to learn. So I think, right. you know, getting into that simplification is really important. So let's kind of summarize up here. Let's let's take a kind of yeah, yeah, summary into <laughs> yeah. to really what you know. I think for me, 
I think what's really critical for parents is one is that to be involved is to make sure that it's not a, you know, uh, uh, something as a, a, was it a baby teething type of thing where, you know, here's something to entertain you while I do my thing. It's, that's what not technology is about. It's about making sure that they use it, you know, appropriately and that the parents are involved with that decision. They're involved with the content. Right. Um, we refer to that, by the way, as the digital nanny. Like that the was digital nanny. That's the same. Yeah, the, the baby teeth. Here. Here's, here's, a, here's, a, here's an, a phone, which is basically a dummy to keep you entertained for the next couple of hours. Um, and that's what we got to get away from. We got to make right. sure that we we use technology, embrace it for the good that it's there. Um, and it means that you know, as your kids are getting technology, and and you're giving them either you know for entertainment purposes or educational purposes, which is really important. I think you, first of all is get a contract in place for your kid. Make sure that it's clear. Um, make sure that they understand about you know what's the uh, purpose of the device, and make sure that you go through and turn the things off that you really don't want to. Learn about how to set different privacy modes, how to disable the access information of photographs. Um, be involved when the kids are actually asking and, and wanting apps um, and be the proxy for that. Don't let the kids decide which apps they want because most cases um, they might actually be, you know, security issues or might be something that might have, you know, really bad content um, or there might be dual purpose types of apps. Um, so be involved in the app decision and also educate around and you know, make sure that, as you mentioned, you know, about you know, when posting pictures, um, and taking pictures that understand about the process, what happens to those photos and where they get located. And then also make sure that, you know, that you know, from password side, I think it's important that they just have a password and they keep it a secret. Um, how complex that gets into, you know, today. And, you know, I think it's really important that they just use one, um, you know, because many, many parents will just have it set without, uh, which right. is quite concerning. Um, I think it's just getting to the point where getting the kids used to having a password, then actually not having anything at all. Um, so that, I think that's really important as well. So Mike, any thoughts, any, any takeaways for parents? Yeah, definitely. Teach? I mean, uh, on the password one, I think one of the things that we did pretty early on, uh, which, you know, they're not, not guessable passwords, right? Like, hey, you know what? The kid has to remember it. Like, they're going to be guessable. But you can still come up with things that are... Um, not easy for a computer to crack mm -hmm. if somebody doesn't know you. Like, for example, so we used um, a lot of our kids, you know, when they were little, they had uh, favorite toys and those toys had names. <laughs> Using those names, which are not easy, like they're generally, you know, complex names. It's not just, you know, dog and bear. Um, using those as passwords uh, early on was a great way to sort of set that mm -hmm. precedent of like, hey, it's a little bit longer. Um, it involves two words or three words and maybe yeah. a number, um, usually two words and a number um, and stuff like that. So I think that was pretty good. And they were able to, you know, they're able to remember so much. Like, like I think people underestimate their kids' ability to, to remember. Their brains are so much yeah. better than ours at, at that type of stuff. Um, the other thing I would say, um, and we didn't really touch on it too much, is... There's a lot of device manufacturers out there that are building really good things. We, we mm -hmm. mentioned Apple and Microsoft, but there's also for like home Wi-Fi, there's, you know, there's what you get by default here in the U.S. from Verizon and mm -hmm. from Comcast or the two major ones, AT&T, others, um, which are meh, right? Those routers, they're, they're, they're decent. I'm not going to totally badmouth them. But if you look in the world, there are some really high quality ones out there that are super easy to set up, have all the mm -hmm. controls that you need, can control it by device, um, can set time limits, can do all these things, and you can sort of mm -hmm. set it and forget it. 
Um, you can create guest networks so that when your kids' friends are over, they're on that network and you can sort of control things. I definitely, like, I think when you're going, it's you spend a couple hours doing the research up front mm-hmm. and it pays dividends over the course of the next five years, like, you're, you know, or two years or whatever it is, however long you keep your routers right. for um, or your devices for. And so I do think that that time is well spent um, and it's not like... You don't have to take the approach I take. You can take, like my brother is a great example. He um, did enough research to find the thing, set it up, and and now it's good. And like, he, I don't think he has to touch it very often. And um, mm-hmm. that's, I think, an important part of it is just taking the time to learn it for, for the period of time that you need to know it, set it up. And then it's it, a lot of things have come a long way to make it so that you don't have to constantly maintain it mm-hmm. and tweak it and touch it. So definitely take that time um, uh, when you're first getting the advice to, to look into those things. Yeah, just educate yourself. I think it's right. very important is, is take the time to learn and, and understand about what, what's, you know, rather than choosing something just for the sake of, of, you know, price point or sake of, you know, accepting what you're getting from, you know, even ISPs, right. just take a little bit of a, a, a reviews and research into things that are very, you know, family or sharing friendly right. that allows you to set the right controls. Because I completely agree is that, you know, rather than trying to do it sometimes in every device where, you know, kids are now having three or more devices and different things. So, that it's really easier to do it at the actually connection point yeah. uh, where they all connect into. Uh, it makes it much easier to control. And also recognize, I mean, they're giving you that device for free. There's a reason. Um, yeah. Like, unless you go in and, and tweak settings, the ISP actually has the ability to control that device. And so yep. it's, so, and and the, there's, um, there's inexpensive all the way up to super expensive mm-hmm. um you know, and they all have their various things, but a lot of them have really good parental controls or simple things that you can do, change the DNS. There's a lot of things that you yeah. can do, even for free, that, you know, even on the on, on the ones that you do get from Verizon or Comcast mm-hmm. or your ISP, whoever it may be, um, go in, tweak a couple settings, uh, change the DNS, and that's going to be like 80% of, of, you know, yeah. uh, of your problem. So um, definitely look into that, uh, I would say. Absolutely. So kind of final takeaways is that, you know, parents out there, stay safe, make sure you know what your kids are using, Um, you know, promote the, you know, the good for technology, make sure it's all, you know, it's around the educational side of things, using it for, you know, social activities and, you know, the technology is there to embrace, Um, but we have to make sure that they're using it, you know, for the good purposes. Um, So be involved, communicate. Um, be open, um, allow the kids, you know, to, to communicate to you and also be involved with the teachers as well. I think it's really important that, you know, this is a collective, it's a society thing that we all need to be, become working together because my saying is that I'm only secure as the social sphere around me. And definitely from a kid's perspective, um, they're only secure as their social sphere, which also includes the, the, the kids that they're socializing with, the teachers and the parents. So let's work together. Let's get better educated Let's make sure that for future generations, our kids and, 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 and the future, that they are protected and safe and that they use the devices uh, for the good things that they're capable of. So, Mike, as always, it's great having the discussion yeah. with you. Um, hopefully, there's a lot of key takeaways. There's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of different things in this episode for, the, for mm-hmm. everyone. Um, so hopefully, you know, that uh, you know, families and, and parents will, will listen and uh, be able to make some changes in their life that will definitely benefit uh, for good and make the internet a safer place for kids. So Mike, always great. And yep. thanks for having you on. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, yep. Always, always. And thanks for joining me. I always enjoy these conversations. Uh, Absolutely. 
Okay. And for the audience, this a podcast for one access denied comes every two weeks. So make sure that you know if you're interested in learning more, um, subscribe. Um, you know, give us your feedback and comments over the things that you would think that you know would be good for kids to uh, protect themselves and for parents to know. Always make sure to share your feedback, share your comments, and we're always happy to take those. And even you know, if you even want to be on the show, uh, let us know. We'd be happy to invite you on and have a, a more detailed discussion. So uh, stay safe. And uh, catches us every two weeks in 401 Access tonight. Take care. Learn how your team can get a free trial of Cybrae for Business by going to www.cybrae.it slash business. This podcast is also brought to you by Thycotic, the leader in privileged access management. To learn more, visit www.thycotic.com.